Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you so much for joining us here on episode number 73. I have a very, very special guest today, Pastor Jerry Davis of Faith Life Church in Carthage, Missouri. Welcome to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Thank you, Jeremiah. It's good to be here. Now, both of us here, we are we are pastors in the Carthage, Missouri area. I'm a new guy. I've only been here for just a little while, but Pastor Jerry has been plowing ground here for a while, and he's been in the game for quite a while. And so today is just going to be talking about his story, his life, his ministry, and all that is. So thank you for joining us on episode number three of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Pastor Jerry, let's dive right into your story. Okay, let's go. Who in the world are you? Who am I? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you're, you're pastoring. Uh, you've been, you are a pastor here in the area, the Carthage area. I think yes. for me, we kind of look to you as the godfather, if you will. At least that's my perspective and opinion of you. Well, thank you. We've been here almost uh, 15 years and been in the ministry nearly 50 years. Wow. And uh, we've had quite a journey. It's been a wonderful journey to serve God and walk in the Holy Spirit and trust Him in everything. Yeah, I I think people, even for me, even though I'm still a younger minister, a lot of times people just kind of view that you just naturally, uh, you know, got saved. You just, this is all just kind of natural how we got in ministry and we're pastors, but we all have a story and that's what we kind of want to dive into your story today. So how did you start this whole thing? Well, mine was kind of unusual. I, uh, I was raised in a Southern Baptist home and we, we happened to be in a church where I was raised that they did not believe anything about the Holy Spirit. So while I was in the Air Force, I, I uh, renewed a acquaintance with a young lady that our family knew, and she went to a Pentecostal church in South Arkansas. And so we uh, started going together I started going to her church and hearing the message of the Holy Spirit. I wasn't for sure about it because my parents and I had never made a real decision. You know, we'd watch okay. different things like mainly back in those days, you could only watch Oral Roberts. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, you, f- you found out some things then. But we got married and we went to, interestingly enough, I'm in Missouri now, but I was stationed at Nobnoster Air Force Base up by Sedalia. And uh, there was a small Assembly of God church right outside the main gate of the base. And I worked on missile sites, and so my wife would go to church uh, at this Assembly of God church because they had the Pentecostal belief. And so I started going, got to know the pastor, Pastor Gene Petty, wonderful guy. And uh, I realized one night in service, I'm cutting all this short, but I realized one night in service I had really never given my heart to Jesus. I joined the church when I was young, but no one back then ever asked me, uh, do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? They asked me if I wanted to join the church. And I realized one night service that I was not saved. And uh, the phenomenal thing is, I got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and called to preach in the same night. Woo! That's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> it was a wonderful thing. And I just wanted to shout to the world and tell the world and 
So I called my mom and told her, and she said, well, you know, we've always believed you were saved. And I said, nope, I got it tonight. Wow. And I received the Holy Spirit. I told my grandmother, and my grandmother said, I'd rather you had been Church of Christ than Pentecostal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. let, let's back up here a second. There's a couple things that you brought up that I think are so important. You grew up in the church. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, so your parents were God-loving people, yes. Christians yes. and those kind of things. So it wasn't yes. you were in an anti-God environment. No. But I thought you brought up something very interesting that we need to make sure that we're doing as ministers of the gospel. For example, I am a first-generation Christian, but now I have children that are second-generation Christians uh, that are growing up in the church. Right. But you had shared that you had to come to this moment where you realized, well, I'm, I'm in the church, I'm going to church, but I am not saved. I have not encountered Jesus for myself. And there's a real danger there that even though we're Pentecostal or or whatever, I'm just saying that sometimes our kids sure. grow up in Christian environments sure. And we just start making the assumption that they're 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 good when they need to have a legitimate encounter with Jesus. Right. And you know the, what made the difference for me is I actually was going to a church there in Nob Noster that preached salvation and preached the gospel. And of course, whether it's my children or your children or whoever's, they have to hear the gospel message. Yeah. You know. You know yourself that. We can preach all kinds of things, but the whole New Testament is based upon preaching the gospel message of salvation for people to be saved. And I think that's a good encouragement for pastors who might be in a church where they might have the attitude of like, well, there's nobody here today. There's no visitors there. Well, you know what? You might have kids. You, You might have children. You might have youth, teenagers in your church that they've grown up in the church their whole life. And your assumption is everything's cool but they have not had that one message where the gospel comes alive in their heart and their life. And we found out recently just in the past few weeks that we've had people in our church that's been attending us. They're probably middle-aged and they've gone to church, but they never had an invitation to come to Christ as Savior and Lord. Wow. And so we're seeing that happen actually right now as the church is moving forward. Yeah. And that's the discipline that we have to make sure as pastors to keep giving the invitation. Yes. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep never assume, never assume everyone knows. I think that's a great, you know, that's for speakers in general, but never assume that your audience knows what you're talking about, but we should take on that perspective in our preaching every Sunday as well. That's right. That's right. Every, every year we are involved in a youth camp and, uh, We'll probably have anywhere from 350 to 500 kids come through in two weeks. And uh, we have an altar call every night. All these kids come from church, churches, mm. but we have an altar call, and we have people saved all week long for wow. both, for two weeks. It's yeah. amazing when they hear the gospel message, what right. happens. Yeah, you know? those are great. I've always said as a youth pastor, that's one of my— primary things I want kids to do is go to youth camp every year. I think that is such an opportunity to expose them to the presence of God, get them in that exclusive environment to hear the gospel. Well, let's dive back into your story. You're now, how, how old were you when this happened? I was, uh, let's see, I got married 20, 24, maybe. Okay. So 24. 24. Now you're saved. You're filled with the Holy spirit. 
You got a Pentecostal Holy Ghost woman. Right. You're crazy for Jesus. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I'm in the Air Force. All right. And so uh, we worked in that church almost immediately, the pastor. It's funny when I was growing into be the called person of God that he wanted, every church we went to, I ended up doing the bulletin. Okay. And I did the church bulletin. Even back when they had the old machines that you had to do crank by hand. So you're a church bullshit expert. Oh man! I could do it. <laughs> but uh, then all then that led to teaching uh, Sunday school, then youth leading, being a youth leader, and then finally associate or assistant pastor, and then finally in uh, the early seventies. I was called to try out for a church. I never liked that term, try out. That's what it was. Okay. And uh, I didn't know when I, I came there to speak that there had been probably seven, eight others that had spoken before oh, me. Wow. And <laughs> and so they didn't even tell me that, and I just assumed. But I knew when I stepped in the church, God was going to call me that church. It was in Bentonville. And uh, so... I had no uh, prior knowledge of being a senior pastor. I just worked with one for several. Well, actually, I worked with three before I became a senior pastor. Okay. And they mentored me well. And so we uh, took that church, stayed there eight and a half years, and then we took our home church. In Alexa, sorry. Alexa, stop talking. Uh, she's uh, She wanted to dive into the interview here. <laughs> sorry, Alexa, you're not involved in this podcast. There you Back go. to the story. Okay, so then we, we pastored our home church for about 10 years and then moved to West Texas, and then we was there 14 years, and now we're in Carthage for almost 15. Okay. But all of those, all of those different places had different, uh, I guess I can say this, different types of people with personality because of the area of the country that we lived in. And uh, it was, it, it's been a real interesting journey because we still have friends and, and very close friends that we made while pastoring. We have young people that we pastored that are now in the ministry in various places around the world, the United States, which has been a real joy to see yeah. that the things that you you taught, the things that you shared, uh, kids would come to Christ, be filled with Holy Spirit, and every, we t- always took them to the youth camp. If we had to travel eight hours or eleven hours or two hours, we always took them to youth camp because we felt like that was the great experience mm-hmm. that they would have. In fact, one of the best things Jeremiah's is at camp one year and this really woke me up to the importance of camp one of the kids came to me after camp he said this has been the best week in my life wow and uh i got to checking on the kid and his family situation and things and sure enough it probably was the best week in his life well i want to go back uh, again to some really i think things that are important for us to process or think about going back to i mean i know you got said in one night you got saved you got filled and you got called. But for a minute, talk to me about the process of going into ministry. I, I think, again, that a lot of times when we hear these stories, oh, I got called to ministry 
Uh, and then it just happened. It's like, then the next day I was a yeah. pastor. That's not how the calling of God works. It's no. always a process. Yes. And I love how you're talking about that process. You were just serving and you were just in the church. And, and I mentioned this a few sermons back where we're talking about the calling of God. Like, how do I figure out my purpose? And I think everyone wants like a specific book or, or an answer where it's like, okay, I take the gifting class and then boom, I do it. And then I, or the calling class. And I think there are valid classes or books you can read, but I always talk about just start serving. And it's amazing how, when you're just obedient to serve in places that you want to serve and the places that you don't want to serve, it's amazing how God will just kind of naturally guide and direct your path and put you where you need to be. Did you find that to be true? I did. And, and what, uh, because I I was already uh, in the Air Force and had a history of hard work, uh, well, I was willing to do whatever the pastor wanted me to do. Sometimes it was clean the restrooms, and sometimes it was sweep the floor. Sometimes it was just, uh, you know, run errands, whatever. I was okay. willing to do anything. And, of course, we tell the kids at camp that they're called the ministry. Go home, tell your pastor, whatever you want me to do, I'll sweep the floor, I'll hand out bulletins, whatever it is. And that's that's the key thing for ministry is that uh, you, you're able to do whatever God wants you to do, but it's not always stepping into the pulpit the minute yeah. you get called. Yep. And, uh, of course, I had great men who mentored me. And that's one of the great things that I, I will forever be thankful for is they mentored me and they held me back when I need to be held back. Yeah. And they let me go forward when I need to go forward. Yeah. And all pastors right now should understand that when God puts a person in your life to minister, I mean, to mentor in the ministry, uh, you have that responsibility. Huh. Either hold them back or send them forth according to how, you know, the spirit of God would lead you to do that. Yep. So do whatever your pastor tells you to do. I like that point. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, I was willing. Of course, I was a military guy and I understood what okay. it meant to. Wow. If okay. someone gave yep. me an order, I I would carry that out <laughs> because I understood the the ramifications if you didn't. Okay, and I felt the same way about that in the ministry. Hmm. Wow, that's, that that's when powerful. I was asked to do something, that's what I would do. Yeah. So a couple points there were obviously just serve uh, and keep serving, and God will direct you. You know, do what your path. You know, serve your pastor, serve that leader, and and you said something really important. Find someone to follow. You know, find someone to follow. That is discipleship. That's really all discipleship is. Yes. is you following someone yes. or someone following you, yes. you know? And I think, I don't think that's arrogance. I've said it like that before. I've tried to tell that to our board recently and some of our other leaders is that hopefully as we mature in Christ, that we can, it's not arrogance, but we can go up to someone and say, you know what? I want you to follow me. Right. And if you follow me, you will become like Jesus. And that's, that's exactly the pattern in the new Testament. Right. Where the, the disciples said, you follow us because we're following Jesus. Yeah. And that's that's the key to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about ministry? What what has been some of your favorite things about ministry well, throughout the years? 
you know, my main thing that I really like is when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay. I, I just love that part of ministry <laughs> because it's, it's even though maybe it's not popular to say this, but there's a place of surrender where you have to come and say, God, I'm giving you everything, and I want everything you have for me. And they begin to surrender their will and their way, and, of course, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking of the tongues. And, uh, of course, this is after people getting saved, and I don't want anyone to think I'd rather see that than salvation because salvation is the greatest mm-hmm. experience of all. Yeah, but when I've I've traveled to other countries, uh, I would see people saved and filled with Holy Spirit, and such a wonderful joy would happen, you wow. know, to people. And I know your answer to this question most likely, but I mean, it sounds like you believe in that just as it's just as relevant today as it was back when you got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think it's more relevant today because of the times that we live in that people need something greater than the news media leading them. They need something greater than Facebook leading them. They need the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, if we don't, if we don't preach that and teach that people are, are going to lose out on one of the greatest blessings that they can ever have in their life. Yeah. Amen. I know before we hit the record button, we were talking about this issue that, in America for a lot of the Sims of God included and other movements, they're kind of wondering, you know, why isn't the church really growing or exploding? And, and, and the movement that I'm a part of in particular, the Sims of God, uh, they talk about their stats overseas. It's exploding. You know, right. uh, the Sims of God, I think is roughly 70 ish million people worldwide or something like that. But I think, uh, of that, which would be America are like, Two million, right. or, you know, right. or something yeah. like that, two yeah. or three million. And so there's this whole, what is that? What is the growth there? And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that is just exploding in the hearts and lives of people and propelling the gospel forward, which we saw in the New Testament, the book of Acts. Sure. So why sure. don't we see that it's a valid, relevant tool for the church in America today? Exactly. And you know, the thing that I, I hear from missionaries is there's we are dealing with so many people who are hungry for the gospel and they're hungry to receive and they're at that place you can say hey jesus saves you and you get filled with the holy spirit yeah and uh it's just it's just the thing where they're so receptive because they're so needy in their spirit yep it's amazing what just the simple uh reality the simple reality of what hunger will produce spiritually yeah. uh the last episode we had a guatemalan uh who goes to our church and he i'll reiterate it again but he just talked about how he lives in america now but when he grew up in guatemala in guatemala when you were sick you know they don't have good hospitals there they don't have all these fancy medical facilities so the first thing you did every time you had a legitimate need was that you prayed yes in america yes. we go to the hospital first we do we check all the other boxes, and then if it's really, really bad, yeah. then we pray. Right. And he said it's amazing the dynamic of when there's that desperation at the beginning, not at the end, that yes. produces much different spiritual yeah. results. Yeah. Physical and spiritual results, I should oh, say. I know, I know. And you know, I've always wondered because I've watched uh, 
people through the years, especially older people that have told me that back in the day, I guess that's what you'd say, <laughs> that when somebody in the church got sick, they all went and prayed for days until God healed them. It, it was a usual thing. It wasn't unusual. Hmm. That was what the church did. It was usual to do that. Wow. And uh, I've had, I had one lady especially tell me that <laughs> she felt like God called her to read the Bible through every year and pray for the sick. And her ministry was unbelievable hmm. because she, she wouldn't just pray, you know, and say, okay, God, heal them. She would pray, God, heal them for days and days until she saw a move of God. Wow. That's powerful. Now you are not to, not to pick on you here, Jerry, but you are how old? I'm 75. 75. Right. And, uh, tell me about some of the, the anthems or the, just the passions that you have today that are, are burning in you at this point in your ministry. Some of the things that God's calling you to speak, kind of the messages, the message that you feel that burns inside of you at this point in your life. Well, one of the things is, uh, I, 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 I don't know how to do it, but I've been praying about it that we live in a nation that has in many ways turned their back on God and our communities the same way that we need to find a genuine way to preach the gospel to this community. I believe, I believe revival in our state, our nation will begin, will begin community by community. And uh, so I just, I saw something the other day, uh, Jeremiah, that you don't see in the church. It was in my church, and a couple had felt like they had sinned, and they wanted to come before the church and confess their sin and ask forgiveness. Wow. Now, how many times do you see that? <laughs> Not very often. But to me, that was a tremendous <laughs> yeah. move of God. Wow. That they felt mm -hmm. like this is the time that I've done wrong before God and I need to confess it and, and ask forgiveness, not only of God, but of God's people. Wow. And, and, if, and if the church is what it should be, a place of love, grace, and forgiveness, that's something that yes people should be able to feel like they could do. And they were forgiven. I mean, people just loved on them. Wow. And it's kind of been like a shot in the arm for our church. But, uh, you know, that's how revival start is through yeah. people confessing their sin. Hmm. If you check back through the years of great revivals, I'm talking revivals where people got saved and changed. Yeah. It, it began with the confession of sin and people asking for forgiveness, just being repentant. I shouldn't have done this or I've lived this way and God forgives and people forgive. And then that just becomes kind of like a wildfire that begins to burn through the land. Hmm. And uh, so I, I'm really passionate for people to get saved and for our community to be changed. Wow. Powerful. Okay. Here's, here's a real tough one for you. Okay. Okay. It's a twofold question. What would you say to old people in the church today? And what would you say to young people today in the church? <laughs> we have the dichotomy of the two, right? The, yes, sometimes the yes. battle rages a little bit. There's uh, different generations, different thoughts, different ideas regarding church, yep. life, the church, the way it looks, sounds, yep. etc. What would yep. you say to those two? 
Well, people groups. I have found out <laughs> something that has to do with the. I saw a sign the other day said we have traditional music on the church, and of course a lot of the things have been done about uh, traditional and the music of today, contemporary. And uh, I have found out one thing: older people will readily accept the change more so than younger people. Well, I've had younger people tell me I'll never ever sing a hymn again. <laughs> I, I, that it's not it's not right to do that. And I've I've watched older people change. So I tell the older people that uh, the young people of America are getting a a whole glimpse of church from people who were not older church members and they're seeing something in many cases that uh, is uh, a little dangerous because it's not molded around salvation so i just tell the older people just you know believe like you've always believed and hold on to the truths and values you know that's what paul said to timothy he said timothy you learned all this from your mother and your grandmother Mm-hmm. And you stay true to that. And I tell the younger people, you need to get in the Word, and you need to pray, and you need to seek God and not seek what man is saying, that if you're going to change your life and serve God, you have to follow God. And I know things are done differently today, which I'm thrilled because there's so many uh, things that have changed that made ministry a lot easier, you know, and I'm glad for that. And I try to be as as technical as I can, you know. Thankfully, I have a daughter who's real technically minded. Grateful and you don't have to do bulletins the way you used to do them. Yeah, right. <laughs> All I do anymore is read them. Right. <laughs> but there's a, there's a vast difference. Yeah. You know, there's a vast difference. And you have to be real careful because anybody anymore, not anybody, but a lot of people, you know, they walk in offense, and so you have to have the wisdom of God and the words of God to be able to train the older generation and the new generation to meet together to serve God and be effective in that service. Yeah, wow. And I, and I bring that up because I recently had an experience where I was able to visit a church that falls under the umbrella of our movement, the Sons of God. And it was a church that was just, uh, you know, at, at, was doing good things that it not, that it's not doing good things now, but was really effective and doing well at a particular time. And now it's, you know, when you, when I stepped into the church, it looked like it was 50 years old and, uh, on the verge of death. And, uh, it was just really scary to me. It was like, wow. And it wasn't about, um, the church doesn't look cool or it just looked like a dying church. And that really scared me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and of course, listen to this, whether the church looks that way and things are not going the right way. The only thing that can really change that is a move of the Holy spirit. Amen. Because he doesn't care whether it's <laughs> orange or whether it's blue. You know, if, if we come before him, and seek him to move. He'll move regardless of whether we're up to date or not up to date. You cannot stop the move of God. In you know, I've been in places in India where you would think God never visited. 
But when the power of the Holy Spirit came down, it was like it was the greatest cathedral in the world. And so you just can't limit what God wants to do in any situation. You know, you have to trust that he can change us. And, and, and sadly enough, there are people in churches who have just given up. Yeah. You know, wow. they, we're small so we've given up. God's forgotten us, but that's not that's not true. Amen. If you're seeking, if you're seeking, really seeking, the pouring out of the Spirit is going to happen. I I just believe that with all my heart. Wow, that's powerful. Well, some great stories, some great insights. I know we'll have to get you back on the podcast again. We can sure. dive in a little bit deeper or whatever. That. And so that it's been been great stuff. I hope that you're encouraged today through uh, Pastor Jerry's story. Uh, where could people check you out at, Pastor Jerry? You got you got any social media or? Yeah, we're, we're on Facebook, Faith Life Worship Center. Okay. And I don't know all the addresses, but we we have a we have a what do you call it? Website. Website. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You yeah. can check that at FLWC, and uh, there there you go. You can find us. Yeah, Faith you, Life Worship Center. You got some of your sermons online, teachings, things like yes, that? Yeah, we do that Great. every Sunday. Yep. All right. So. And what's the, you know, the website address off the top of your head? I do not know. Okay. Faith Life, Carthage, check it out. Yeah. It's been a great time with Pastor Jerry. I know that I'm blessed by your ministry and how you speak into my life on a regular basis. So I hope you enjoyed this story. Share it with someone. Like it. Subscribe. Thank you for joining the Daily Grace Point Daily Podcast. We will talk to you next time.